COVID-19 vaccinations from the patient perspective, a conversation with patient representative Timmy Nelson. On this episode of our podcast, we're talking with patient representative Timmy Nelson. Timmy's a retired lobbyist, a former dialysis patient, and a kidney transplant recipient. He's been committed to supporting individuals enduring the challenges of end-stage renal disease and other health conditions for many years. He became involved as a volunteer with his local hospital in 2006, where he served on a patient engagement council reviewing policies and procedures to ensure patient understanding and accessibility. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit in 2020, Timmy became an advocate for minority outreach and has since helped to foster relationships with more than 66 groups and organizations within minority communities. He's an advocate for vaccine confidence and aims to help address community health needs in ways that haven't always been feasible in the past. So welcome, Timmy, and thank you for joining us today to talk a little bit about your experience helping others realize the impact of the COVID-19 vaccine. This is our last episode in a three-part series with Timmy, and today we're going to be focusing specifically on patient and family engagement, um, especially around the COVID-19 vaccine. So to get us started, have you ever participated in or observed an example of strong and effective patient and family engagement? And if so, why did you think it was so successful? Patient and family engagement is, is, is a key to, to continued results is the key to making things happen the way they the way they should happen. Give an example. Um, I'm going to use the vaccine as an example here also. Um, as we continue to, to grow our minority groups at, at the hospital, uh, we we engage with more and more members of the community. And, and our parting words would be is that, how do you feel as you leave? They were very confident. They were very positive in that. Do you believe what we're trying to do here? And they would say, yes, we do. And I need you to do me a favor. I need you to send me someone else. Send me another group. Connect me to another person, another community leader that has their own group that they work with. And I want to have a conversation with them, but you're my referral. So we did that. We reached out to the minority community, which included um, the Asian community, which included the Hispanic community. Now, when you get to the Hispanic community, you have another initiative, another another small hurdle, if you would, a speed bump, I'll call it even in this case, the language barrier sometimes. I do not speak Spanish. I can understand some, but I do not fluently speak Spanish. So we enlisted the help of some of the folks at the hospital that spoke Spanish. Now, here's where patient family engagement comes in. They looked at them as one of their family members. And as I'm talking to them in, in, in English, and we're understanding each other, okay? Patient family engagement covers a wide variety of things. In this case, it also covers the language barrier because automatically when I'm speaking with them, they're understanding what I'm saying. There's still some hesitancy. But when the Spanish speaking person comes up, my partner comes up and speaking Spanish, now there's another hurdle we've just passed. And so now they, they see them more as family, patient family engagement. And this family member is engaging with them on something that is good for them. So now they have a common bond and we've passed another step of hesitancy. And that's, in my mind, that's also patient and family engagement. Have you discovered approaches to patient and family engagement that were not effective? If so, what barriers did you observe? I'll give an example of a person that I had a great conversation with. 
I did not win him over, but I feel good. And I'll tell you why I feel good about it still. Had a young man, um, his mother came to get vaccinated. His wife came to get vaccinated. Um, and they have a, a, a baby daughter. Um, and his mother shared with me that their entire family's been vaccinated except for this one young man. So I said, can you have him come see me? She said, well, he's in the car. I said, can you have him come inside and talk to me? So we spent 45 minutes talking and he gave me a litany of reasons why. Um, I gave him the responses for all the things he shared. He said, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I even engaged another doctor to talk with him about um, his hesitancy because he was truly hesitant. And we didn't win him over. But here's the important thing for me. As we engaged in that conversation, that 45-minute conversation, um, we went back and forth um, conversationally, talked about his concerns. I answered his concerns. I refuted the, the, the misnomers that he had been, been shared with. Um, I refuted the misinformation that he'd been given. And he says, yeah, that makes sense. You know? And I looked at him, I said, I said, but you're just not ready, are you? He says, no, I'm not. You know, he's, I'm, I'm really not, not ready just yet, you know. And so I left him with this. I said, you're not ready. I respect that. I respect your opinion. I respect your thought process. I said, and I think you respect mine. Is that correct? He says, yes, I do. He says, I appreciate how you spend time talking to me. He says, but I'm just not ready. I said, when you get ready, if you get ready, call me. I said, if you have additional questions, call me. Because I want to be your source. If I need to connect you with another medical professional, call me. I said, because at some point in time, you might get ready. And if you do, I want you to know that we're going to be here for you to help you on this journey. You know? So even though we didn't win him over, the dialogue, the relationship was built. And so in my mind, that's just as important as getting the vaccination. Because at some point in time, this young man is going to reach out. And he's going to realize that here's a hospital, here's a location, here's some people that will listen to me and will take the time to understand my concerns. What are some best practices that healthcare providers can implement to increase engagement within vulnerable populations? So one, one of the, the, the things I've witnessed, I've gleaned personally from watching healthcare professionals talk to individuals is speak in a language that they understand. Make sure that you use a basic language that they understand. Don't use medical terminology that is beyond their understanding. You're going to turn them off. Most immediately, you're going to turn them off. Okay. The other thing is, and I'm going to, I'm going to categorize as bedside manner. We always hear about medical professionals in a bedside manner. We talk about this doctor, this nurse has great bedside manner because we say what? They, they, they're easily approachable. They seem to understand what we're talking about. They seem genuinely concerned about us. They respond when we ask questions. Okay, I'm going to talk, I'm going to take the, the bedside manner that the medical professionals are asked to have and hopefully have. And I'm going to combine that with a video game and we're going to level up, okay? So, so let's, let's take that bedside manner and level it up and say, here's what I need to be effective as a medical professional to these communities that, that are rural or minority, people that are typically out of the mainstream. My bedside manner, no matter how good it was before, how can I make it a little bit better so that I can reach this patient population so that they're coming to see me or another medical professional doesn't bring apprehension. It brings confidence. And the other part about that is that keep in mind that most people hold their medical professionals at a high level. 
because we view those as, as, as not to sound sacrilegious, we view those people as our saviors on earth. Those are people that when we go to, when we have ailments, when we have issues, they make us feel better. So we hold them in high esteem. So it's so important that they meet us at our level so that we are comfortable talking to them and they can share with us what they need us to understand. I think the medical professionals that understand this message realize the sooner I get to Timmy Nelson's problem and help him resolve that, that gives me more time to focus on someone else because now I've taken care of his issue. Instead of me, quote unquote, pulling teeth to get every question out of him, you know, every, every question answered out of him, we now have a relationship where we have that dialogue and Timmy Nelson is comfortable talking to me. And I, I say that from personal experience. Um, uh, my, per, my, my, my personal doctor, uh, she and I have great conversations and, and I can talk with her about any and everything and I respect her time. But when she and I have de developed a rapport so that when I meet her, when I need to go see her, I can tell her exactly what's in my mind. I know she understands me. I understand her and we resolve things so much faster. I want to thank Timmy for taking the time to provide this valuable insight for us today. And thank you to our listeners of this podcast. You can check out our other interviews in this series on COVID-19 vaccinations by visiting our website at www.qualityinsights-qin.org.